welcome to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Ryan. As always, I'm joined by Nick Splitter. And Nick, before I get to you, just by the numbers here in the NFL playoffs here, we have four teams remaining. We have three games remaining. We have two rematches this week. We have one Lombardi trophy. So let the, let the numbers game begin. Uh, oh, the countdown, is, isn't it? Yeah, I know, exactly. The countdown is on. Um, if we had the rights, I'd be playing the final countdown right now, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately don't. kind of gets overplayed a little bit. But uh, anyway, Nick, how, how are you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good. It's uh, Yeah, it's, I think I texted you yesterday. It's just the best time of the year. It's like it's like Christmas all over again, but better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this part of the year. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Christmas, so I'll take NFL playoffs <laughs> instead. Um, but... That's fine. I mean, I feel like my Christmas, my opinion on Christmas may change in the next couple of years as uh, as my uh, son or daughter comes into the world later this year. We'll see. We'll see how uh, that all pans out. But uh, Good times. at the moment, it's <laughs> Christmas is a bit of a, a <laughs> period. But uh, yeah, the NFL playoffs is not, and uh, it was a it was a wild and willy week. Uh, let's let's talk results and then we'll talk takeaways. Uh, Tampa Bay plus three uh, that lobbed for us very easily in the lock of the week. Um, although it did did look dicey, a, a Jared Cook fumble. You know, if he doesn't fumble that, we're probably looking at a totally different game potentially in terms of the result. Um, maybe it still could have been close, and the plus three would have lobbed anyway. Um, but anyway, we'll take the money and the money line. I think we're both on as well. So that was a good result. Um, I went two and one last week, but fuck, it looked grim um, after Sunday's games here. Uh, Cle- but Cleveland and Tampa Bay delivered for me on Monday. Um, I'm still fuming about Mark Andrews not hitting his over. He had 11 targets, yeah. 11 targets, and finished on 28 yards, and the longest catch he had was 14 yards. So he ended up having like four catches for like six yards. It was just horrendous. So, oh, well, but still a winning week, and I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I went one and two on, on the best. It was two and two against the spread. But yeah, Mark Andrews, Justin Tucker, the Ravens just killed the, killed the weekend, I think, for both of us. And uh, Mahomes coming out of the game early, which I'm sure we'll t- talk about a bit later on, uh, that was that was one of my bets as well. The uh, the Chiefs plus ten. Yeah. That that yeah that line for the Chiefs, um, which looked which looked very handy early on, and uh, yeah, unfortunate at the end, but doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they looked good very very early. The Chiefs, uh, you know, the injury changed things a little bit, uh, but uh, you finally get on board with the Ravens, and then uh, they let you down in a big spot. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because because it was one of those perfect weeks and they, were, they had a lot of opportunity. And I don't yeah. think the Bills played especially good football in that game, but I think the Ravens were awful um, yep. in a lot of parts of, of that game. And Mark Andrews is one of them. Obviously, Justin Tucker is the greatest of all time. That's one, you know, one of my takeaways, you know, does that have any impact on Justin Tucker's legacy? It might. You know, we're going to talk about that for a long time, but it shouldn't because of the, the circumstance of that game. Um, you know, the, the weather, the wind... You know, kickers are going to miss in those conditions. Uh, but, you know, he, he nabs those two kicks and, and all of a sudden, um, you know, some of those bets might look very different. And, and you know, it's, it's a very different scenario this week potentially. Yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting one. I, I don't think it has a negative impact on Justin Tucker's legacy. Like, I think I tweeted during the game, you know, that it was in ruins and that was a bit of bit hyperbolic <laughs> of me on Twitter. And it's not... It's not like me to be hyperbolic. No, uh, not at all. Not at all. Not in the moment. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, those wins, it was absolutely crazy. But I feel like his legacy could have improved if he made those kicks. It would have just made him um, have those kind of Adam Vinatieri playoff moments where Adam Vinatieri is 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 renowned for, for helping New England win Super Bowls because he's kicked some of the toughest kicks in, in crazy wind and snow conditions. And I think if just Tucker made a couple of those, then um, potentially we're looking at him in an even better light. Um, I still think he's the greatest kicker of all time, Justin Tucker. I think he's I too. phenomenal. So um, it didn't really change my opinion too much because of that wind. And, you know, it's a totally different game as well. If, if Lamar doesn't throw that, that, uh, that pick, you're looking at maybe 10 all um, heading in and it just ballooned out after that, unfortunately. Mm. But uh you know, it was it was it was an interesting game to, to say the least. Um, you know, seventeen three. You don't really look at the score and think it's a must watch, but it was. I kind of like some riveting. of those gritty. Yeah, I kind of I kind of enjoy those games a little bit, and especially with the wind and stuff. That they're all kind of. Um, it just adds that extra element. 
Yeah, no, it was amazing. It was amazing to watch. Like, like you said, you, you look at that scoreline, you think, oh, couldn't have been that interesting. But it was, it was absorbing. It was riveting to watch, and and the back and forth between both, you know, quarterbacks, both, and then both defenses as well, um, and the way that that game kind of ebbed and flowed. Both teams had momentum at different stages, and um, you know, in the end, obviously, that the Ravens just weren't good enough. But uh, you know, it was really interesting game to watch, and, and I think we're going to see a few more of those games over the next few years with, with both of these teams as they, you know, kind of go along their, their journey to, to the ultimate Super Bowl kind of winning roster, um, which they're both building, you know, in, in, those, uh, in those cities. Yeah. And the AFC is just absolutely stacked. Like, I'm looking it at stacked. it at the moment, and it's just – there's just all the good young quarterbacks are in the AFC. There's, there's absolutely none in the NFC. That's why we've <laughs> got Rodgers and Brady and Breeze still, you know, kicking about and, and a little bit of Russell Wilson as well. But – I mean, when you look at the AFC and, and where it's at, you're going to add Trevor Lawrence into the mix, potentially Justin Fields as well with, you know, Justin Herbert, Mahomes, Lamar, Deshaun mm. Watson for now. Um, it, it's an absolutely stacked AFC. So, you know, it comes down to some of that roster building around around your QB that, that'll make the difference there, um, you know, in, in the playoffs. But it, it's just, it's an unreal slate of quarterbacks. It's going to be tough to, to make Super Bowls in the AFC for the next 10 years. It is, and you know, we've spoken over the, you know, any any NFL fans talked about, you know, the different quarterback generations, and this is another golden generation of quarterbacks. And it looks like, you know, you look at some of the the, the quarterbacks that are going to be coming out of college over the next two or three years as well. There's there's a hell of a lot of talent there, um, yeah. and, and you know, we're very lucky that we get to see these guys. And you look at Tua and and Herbert and, and those guys, as you said, coming through now. It's just it's amazing to watch. Definitely. Uh, any other takeaways from, from you? I mean, I think we I think we knew this already, but uh, <laughs> hashtag hashtag came up on on Twitter over the the weekend. Anything is possible, and and anything is possible when Andy Reid is your coach. And Andy Reid, I think, officially has the biggest balls in the, in the NFL. Calling some of those plays with a minute, two minutes left, um, you know, was was amazing to watch with a, a backup quarterback, um, fourth and inches. A minute seventeen on the clock, and he calls that pass play to Tyreek Hill, um, unbelievable. And, and the fact that it came off and and Chad Henney pulled it off was amazing to watch. It's great, great drama. Um, obviously, for a lot of reasons, would have preferred that Pat Mahomes was out there. But uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch a playoff game come down to the wire like that, that that's how you want to see it. Yeah, and that's the coaching that we you know pound the table for. That's that's the stuff we want to see, and that's you yeah. Know, you talked last, last week, week about being aggressive. That's that's it. Yeah, that's it, and that's the difference between winning and losing. I mean, if you punt that ball away and lose the game, you've got no one to blame but yourself. And then if you win the game right there and there with that play calling, then you're being heralded here. And I think that's the, that's the way that they should coach. And hopefully, Mike Frabel and and uh, uh, Mike Tomlin are, are taking note because Andy Reid's. You know, he's learnt from his lessons. He he was quite a, a conservative coach for a long time and he made some bad calls late in playoff games and, and he's learnt from it and now he's, you know, probably the best play caller in the entire NFL. And, mm. you know, part of that's having the best quarterback in the NFL definitely helps. Uh, but he just did that with Chad Henney. So it's not it's not always Pat Mahomes. So I think, yeah, I think Andy Reid's balls, you know, we've got to applaud them. <laughs> and I think what I think what tends to get forgotten as well, you know, amidst that particular play was the play that came before it. Um, you know, Henny needed 15 yards for the first down, and he he ran for 14. He's been in the league for like 13 or 14 years, and I, I read a stat that in in that time, I think he's played 79 games, or he's played in 79 games of football. He's had four plays with 14 or more rush yards, and he hit 14. He hit a top speed of something like 20 miles per hour, which is Higher than he got in his uh, in his combine in, in his dash um, <laughs> speed, so it's amazing. It's just an amazing yeah. circumstance to watch those those final few minutes. But uh, that's, I mean, that's on, how mate. fun that's how fun football can be. Yeah, exactly. Thirty five year old and, and clocking time faster than your combine, <laughs> just as if adrenaline is 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 a, a hell of a drug. Like just get that <laughs> flowing through your veins and ready to go. But it, right. it's good to have the it's good to have the Chiefs. I know the Browns. Story has come to an end, but I think if you're the Browns, you've got to you got to look positively. And I think Kevin Stefanski looks like he is the guy. I don't think what he did this season is a fluke. Sure, they had an easy schedule, but winning 11 games and, and winning a playoff game and and going into Arrowhead, Mahomes aside, and, and winning a play and nearly winning a playoff game is mm. um, is a hell of a season for them. So I think they should be stoked. 
Absolutely. You have to applaud what they've done. I think, you know, we spoke about it last week that every week it seemed like we were, we were asking, are the, the Browns legit? I think we have to, that answer is finally yes. Um, you know, like you said, 11 wins and, and, and a playoff win. If you'd asked any Browns fan, you know, at the start of the season, would you take that in, in January? I think all of them would say yes. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, they're young, they're talented and Kevin Stefanski is, has getting, he's getting those, those guys, their elite talent to play really good football, which is something that they've had trouble with consistently over the last millennium. So, yep. uh, yep. but, Definitely but speaking, good. speaking of adrenaline and, uh, hooking up to my veins, a little birdie has told me that, that you've got some hot takes this week and I'm I'll incredibly keen to hear this because like you said, it's, it's unlike you to be hyperbolic. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think anyone who's listened to this podcast over the years knows that, that you don't mind a hot take every now and then. So, so to hear that you've got a couple this week is, uh, is interesting and I'm looking forward to it. What yep. have you got for us? I'm also, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm also a bit of a contrarian when it comes to, you know, greatest <laughs> of all time narratives. I'm, I'm very vehemently anti. Brady the goat, anti Federer the goat, uh, anti Don Bradman the goat. I'm just uh, anti Michael Jordan the goat. So um, this isn't just me being an, an NFL hater. This is just my uh, my views. But uh, my f- least favorite thing about playoffs, and I love the playoffs. I like it's such great theater, but it's the narratives involving quarterbacks, and it does my fucking head in. Um, at this time of year, it's just crazy. So many quarterbacks get blamed solely for losing, despite their defense and special teams letting them down in in massive spots. And we just mentioned Lamar Jackson. That was the absolute worst time for him to throw his first red zone interception of his NFL career, and he's going to be labeled a choker for it for ages. Um, Drew Brees is famously um, talked about as a choker, despite having multiple games where he's uh, put his team in, in a position late in games with the lead and they've blown it. Peyton Manning's the same. Aaron Rodgers the same. But then you have some QBs that happen to get all the credit whenever uh, they're barely the reason they win a game. And the biggest issue for me is the Saints-Bucks game this weekend where Tom Brady is being heralded here as the hero. And I just I just can't fathom it because imagine you're a player on the Bucks defense, you force four turnovers, made Drew Brees have the worst playoff game of his career. And you get absolutely zero credit because the media is just so obsessed with your quarterback who threw for under 200 yards and didn't lead a touchdown drive over 40 yards. The defense gave them short fields. The Bucks' three touchdown drives totaled 63 fucking yards. For context, Jameis Winston's lone touchdown pass in that game was only eight yards less than that. And that was one pass. <sighs> so it is it does my head in. And then the average touchdown drive in the playoffs is about 65 yards. So this is the only the fourth playoff game since 2001 where a team had three touchdown drives that started inside the opponent 40. Three of the four games involved Tom Brady. But this is where the narrative goes crazy because even when you're crediting the defense, you get morons like Marcellus Wiley saying stuff like this. And he said this on Fox Sports this week, that football is a great game of skill but a greater game of will, and Tom Brady activates the will of all those around him. So even when his defense is doing the job, it's Tom Brady willing them that makes them better. He activates the will of his defense better than anyone in the history of football. I mean, doesn't that make your eyes roll, Nick? It's Look, it's, it is a really interesting point, and, and I do agree with you on that because even coming into the year, we knew Tampa Bay's defense was elite. And they've gotten yes. better this year. And you cannot put that down to, to Tom Brady. And they beefed up the O-line as well. It was a good roster. It was just Jameis Winston was was too reckless. I mean, they could be in the same position now if, if Jameis Winston just reeled in some of his reckless passing. Because this team, they, they beat a 7-9 and nine team. And then they had a 199-yard performance from their, from their quarterback. And Tom Brady's been heralded as this great postseason run. There's been more talk about that than Aaron Rodgers tossing up close to 300 yards against the number one defense in the league last week. Um, it just it does my head in, but at the same time, it, it makes sense because, I mean, Tom Brady wills his defense and special teams to make plays. I mean, it's just it's just a fact now. So um, it does, and and I'm going to use this to parlay. Do you have any final thoughts on that before I parlay into another hot take? I'm about to. No, no, go for it. I mean, we'll we'll All talk right. about the teams coming up yeah. soon, but uh, no, exactly. keep going. But, You're on a roll. But this week, we're going to hear all about this game. In, in, there's going to be a hundred players suit up for Bucks Packers, 
But all week we're going to hear Tom Brady's the GOAT, Aaron Rodgers has underperformed in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And no matter what the result is in this game, even if Tom Brady throws four picks but still wins, it's going to be the GOAT. And Aaron Rodgers with another playoff loss, he might have a perfect passer rating and still lose. It, it, it's it's crazy, but some context anyway for, for those playing at home. Um, Packers defense in Aaron Rodgers' last playoff losses, 35 touchdowns allowed on 85 possessions. That's 41.2%. Patriots defenses in Tom Brady's six Super Bowl winning postseasons, they've only allowed 41 touchdowns on 213 possessions. That's 19.2%. Drives started in opponent's territory. Brady's had 67 in playoffs. That's one every 7.6 drives. Aaron Rodgers has only had 17. That's one every 12.2 drives. And for context, Peyton and Breeze also won in every 12 drives. So it's got a five-drive advantage there for Tom Brady. Season low in points scored during the playoffs. Tom Brady's had five games in 18 postseasons where he's scored his lowest offensive showing uh, for a season in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers done it zero times in 11 postseasons. I mean, one guy's got six rings, one guy's got one. Every quarterback since 2000 to lose a playoff game in overtime after not getting the ball once or their kickers missed a game-winning field goal. Aaron, uh, Peyton Manning twice, Aaron Rodgers twice, Matt Ryan in the Super Bowl, Drew Brees twice, Ben Roethlisberger in 2011, Brett Favre in 2009, Tommy Maddox in 2002, Rich Gannon in the tuck rule game, Tom Brady zero times. He always wins the toss. I guess that's the will he has with these... Uh, coin tosses in 16 years Aaron Rodgers has had three top 10 defenses and one top five scoring defense and that was the year they won the Super Bowl Brady has had 17 top 10 defenses in 20 years and eight top five scoring defenses and in 18 years in the NFL Tom Brady has never had back-to-back games of 30 points scored against him again just willing his team to uh, play better on defense and a, f- a few more stats here. Tom Brady's opponents in playoff games. Number of opposing teams to score 10 points or less five times in, in 43 games. Number of opposing teams to score 30 points or more five times in 43 games. Aaron Rodgers played 20 f- playoff games. Number of opposing teams to score 10 points or less, zero. Guess he's not motivating his defense enough. And numbers of opposing teams to score 35 points or more, five. Aaron Rodgers averages two more points per game than Brady in the playoffs. But one is, you know, the consensus, you know, goat and, and a winner, and another one is a choker. I just, I find it frustrating this time of the year that narratives and, and numbers get overlooked. And I'm not taken away from Tom Brady's greatness. He's a he's a great player, but he's also incredibly lucky and incredibly blessed. And the two can both be true. That's all I'm. That's all I'm trying to say. And it, it, the narratives get out of control. And I just think Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Players like that, Matt Ryan, they deserve a little bit, a few more people going into bat for them because they, they don't have enough. That's that's my hot takes. Yeah, I like it. I, I've always had an issue with with kind of the greatest of all time because you're talking about different eras, you're talking about different types of players, and especially like I have no I have no problem with saying Tom Brady is the greatest NFL player of all time, but I do have an issue with saying he's the greatest quarterback because what is that based on? There's so many different metrics. And yeah, skills exactly. that you can that you can put that claim on, and and I think it's pretty clear that he's not the most skillful quarterback of all time. He doesn't have the greatest arm of all time. No. Um, he's been in, in positions to win a lot of games, and he's been in positions to win titles and Super Bowls. But that's not all on him. A lot of it is, no. because, like you said, yeah. he's a great player, and he will always be a great player. Yeah. Um, but is he the greatest quarterback? I don't think he I, is, because you look at no. you look at guys like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Peyton Manning, um, and yeah, now some, and exactly some of these some of these younger guys coming through, they're far more talented as quarterbacks yep. than Tom Brady is. But yep. you're right. I mean, it's hard it's hard to bet against those the winning yeah. numbers. But it just goes to show that, you know you need more than just a quarterback to win yeah. regular Super Bowls. Yeah, you need you need an element of luck, and I'm not denying that. Like every you look at every single Super Bowl win, you can you can pinpoint some lucky luck involved. Um, and it just there's just such a huge amount of luck involved, and he he is the most successful quarterback of all time. That's that's not a debate. Him and Belichick are the most successful QB coach pairing of all time. That is mm. that may not be beaten. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have a chance, but as we just said, the AFC is absolutely stacked. It's very very hard. 
Um, and they also played in a division where, you know, on average, they only needed nine wins to win a division. Um, whereas Breeze, Rogers, Roethlisberger, Manning, uh, you know, most of their, their division wins, you needed 11 wins 50, mm. 50% of the time. Uh, seasons where 11 wins wouldn't, wouldn't have been enough to win the division without tiebreakers. It was just one in 16 seasons for, for Brady. Mm. So they could easily romp in and, and get first round buyers because they played in that division. So. It made things a little bit easier for them, but I just think Aaron Rodgers is immense in the playoffs. He's, he's he, one of his best playoff games. And, and Brady said the same, where he lost in the Super Bowl to the Eagles. That was a loss, but mm. it's, it's just funny how the narratives are like that. And Aaron Rodgers scored 45 points in a, in a playoff game and lost 51 to 45 in overtime. I mean, it's... Which is, it's which just, is why, you know, and, and we've, spoken, we've spoken about this in the past, but that quarterback win metric is just a, a ridiculous, useless yeah. metric. When comparing That's why I had a Z on it, <laughs> QB wins. <laughs> yeah, but it is it is ridiculous. But I think this is a good time to transition into my my other takeaway, and that was kind of Drew Brees' retirement game. By all reports, mm. it was an it was an ugly finish to historic career. You know, his arm strength been waning. Um, it was ball placement was horrible. Um, I just can't remember too many games where he was flat out missing passes like that. Uh, it's mm. been a while. And this part of you want to come back to see them sort of go out with a better performance, but that's a home loss now in, in three straight years. So it raises the question, are the Saints better off moving on? And if so, where to now? Because I don't think Taysom Hill's the answer. No, I agree. And and it is a shame that, that it ends like that. If if it does, and, and, you know, it hasn't been confirmed, but by all reports, that, that was Drew Brees' last game. And while we're talking, I mean, what a career. That, that's been an unbelievable career and should be in the conversation for greatest quarterback of all time. He generally isn't in that conversation yep. because he's only got the one ring. But, yeah. you know, he should be for, for skill level, for talent, for, yeah. for doing the most. I mean, until Michael Thomas came around, he really didn't have a huge amount of talent, you know, in the, in the receiving game on those Saints teams. You look at, at the year that they won the, the Super Bowl, it was like Marcus Colston was, was the number one receiver. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, Devery Henderson was a guy that used to just like <laughs> have like random amazing games every year, like four or five, just because Breeze was just just playing lights out. I mean, oh, and he's probably he's yeah. probably up until Mahomes' last kind of two years, he's probably the greatest fantasy football player of all time as well. Drew Breeze, there's yep. there's like an eight year period where he was just the number yep. one player in fantasy, and it, it is it is a weird legacy. I mean, because. Um, it is interesting. Like he's never won an MVP trophy, and I know some mm. people probably think that's egregious. But I mean, when most of your career has been spent in seasons where Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers have, have all won MVP trophies, yeah, um, yeah, and even the season Adrian Peterson won the MVP, um, that was ridiculous. Like Peyton should have won that as well. But um, like it's just hard to really make the case for any of those years for for Breeze to potentially win. Uh, the MVP, and I think it was probably the year they won the Super Bowl, and I think he'd rather the Super Bowl because it meant so much for his city more mm. than him winning the MVP. And looking at his legacy, there's was, there was a good article on SB Nation about uh, about his legacy. And, and, and prior to 2005, New Orleans had just won two division titles, five playoff games, and one postseason win. Um, so they, the team, the displaced team nearly left the city permanently. And then since the arrival of Breeze and Sean Payton in 2006, mm. They won seven division titles, four consecutive, made nine playoff appearances, won eight postseason games, um, and, and blew a lot. Like they really should have won a lot more than that. Yeah. I mean, there was just some ugly and unlucky victories in there. Um, they got roared by the refs against against the Rams. They probably could have won that Super Bowl against the Pats, um, that thirteen to three Super Bowl. Um, there's a, there's another instance where Breeze probably could have had another ring to really cement that legacy. But uh, mm. ultimately, though, they've got the Super Bowl win in in Super Bowl against my Colts, unfortunately, but he meant so much to that city. So that it, it's a very unique sort of legacy for, for Drew Brees. It it's, it's, it's a very it's, valuable one for the New Orleans. It's, it is. It's amazing. And, and you're right. You talk about the, those MVP kind of quality years and the guys that, that he's coming up, you talk about Brady, Manning, um, and and Rogers, And then you look back even the, the few years before, you still got Brett Favre in the league and, and some of the numbers yeah. he was putting up late in his career. Um you know, some of those Eli Manning years, I know he, you know, it's, it's not quite the same, but there was a lot yeah. of talent in the league in, in Breeze's prime years and, and only one player can win the MVP each year. 
And yep. every year there was just one or two guys that had the, those better years. And yeah. But for, for someone to be in that conversation for 13 or 14 years straight is is incredible. And, and you're right, the legacy that he leaves in, in New Orleans is amazing. I was in New Orleans for week one uh, the year after they won the Super Bowl and yep. the parade that week and the whole vibe around the city, and we're talking 18 months after Hurricane Katrina and, and that, you know, that, that year that they had um, was amazing. The vibe in that city, what Peyton Breeze did for New Orleans is amazing. And I think that will be his legacy rather than whether he's the greatest quarterback of all time, whether he's a top five quarterback or a top 10 quarterback, almost doesn't matter. But what he did for, for New Orleans, what he did for the Saints, what he did for the city and what he did for the NFL in that period as well. Um, yeah, to to grow that to grow that franchise and to grow that market, you know they're now a big market in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I do think the Saints. I, I think they should stick with. I think they should go with Jameis Winston. But we'll, I agree. We'll wait and wait and see. I, I, that was my favorite part of that entire game was that throw. I thought it was it was amazing. I know it was wide open, but it was just good to see a an accurate deep ball. <laughs> um, in a game that didn't have too many. Um, but, yeah, all right, um, let's move on. And, and if that is Drew Brees' career, it's, uh, yeah, that first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Um, well, all right, while, while we're on while we're on retire, retirees, we should probably mention Phil Rivers here. I know we had a note to, to talk about yeah. a bit later on, but it yeah. kind of seems a perfect spot to mention Phil Rivers yeah, and his career definitely. as well. We're talking about underrated quarterbacks and, and where he sits in, in kind of the 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 notebook of, of NFL quarterbacks, and he's, he's up there too. Yeah, he, he. I love Philip Rivers, man. I'm probably like I'm a massive Drew Brees fan as a player, uh, rather than a human. Um, I'm not a huge <laughs> Saints fan because um, their fans kind of shit me a little bit, and I've got some resentment about the Colts Super Bowl. But um, and I, Phil Rivers for a while there, he he knocked the Colts out a couple of times in the playoffs. So I mean, if, he used to frustrate the hell out of me. But I mean, just listening to some of the the mic'd up stuff um, with with Phil Rivers, especially oh, when we're amazing. Going, where he got hit and he's rubbing it in his face, like I oh, scored. It's a ninety-yard touchdown, ninety <laughs> yards. Like, and even the refs looks like Phil stuff. <laughs> um, and just yeah, he he's just such an enigma. And I mean, no one sh- throwing the football in the the motion that Phil Rivers has should have, should have had a career as successful as as Phil Rivers has had. And for me, I think he's a Hall of Famer as well. And pen- many people will probably disagree with me. Um, but a lot of people posted some stats from that QB class with Roethlisberger and Eli. They're the ones with rings. Rivers is not, but he he was way better in DVOA over that period. Um, way better in DYAR. Finished the season in with you know QB ratings higher than them more times than ever. Top three and things. There was a season he, he finished second in MVP voting. He, he's a great player. He's a very good player, and I think you can't really talk about the NFL without talking about Philip Rivers because. He has that bizarre motion. Um, he was successful. He he is an entertaining character, and the charges from the last ten years, just the amount of one score games and them always being down late, and the, just the the incompetency of coaching and things around them are a perfect example about how one player can only do so much. And I think mm. Rivers just is is an amazing player. Uh, he's a, he's an amazing copulator as well of, of other human <laughs> beings. Um, and I think he's he's a legend. I'm going to miss him. I, re- I really love Phil Rivers. He's been uh, one of my favorite players. I think if there's one thing that, that speaks to Phil Rivers, it's the amount of stories from opposing players and opposition defensive players that have come out in the last week. And there was there was one story, and, and I'm sure there are more, but I, I, I kind of recommend to anyone who wants to, to find out more about Phil Rivers to go and seek out some of the stories from opposition players. But the one that stuck with me during the week was, I can't remember who it was, but, but um, told the story on on uh, NFL Network about how Philip Rivers told him that they were lined up incorrectly for the, the blitz that they were about to run. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. And he was right. And he, and he said he looked back at it and goes, and he was right. We, I think we that was J.J. Watt that posted that It was J.J. Watt. It was J.J. Yeah, Watt. Yeah, was. That's the one. Yep. Um, yeah. It was just, just amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm also so here. I'm so unbelievably here for Phil Rivers making the Hall of Fame and pissing off so many people because <laughs> there's a lot of people that don't like him and think he's overrated and I think if he gets in the Hall of Fame it's going to piss off a lot of people and I'm totally here for that and his speech will be fucking incredible so um, I'm here for that and um, how good was his how good was his retirement announcement yeah he said Doug it was just him. I don't know it was, it was just best, him it was the best ever and he, he leaked his retirement to a, a 
a smaller, not a smaller, but a, a journalist that covered him from yeah. day one in San Diego. And like, I think that's just a real classy thing to do. It's not a chef or a rap sheet dropping news. It's, it's someone else. And he got, he got big props for that, for that. And I think that's just Phil Rivers in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Some coaching hires. We won't spend too long on this. Cause like, you know, they're all just names on a sheet of paper at the moment, but I think in particular, I want to ask you about, uh, the Eagles hiring Nick mm. Sarani. Thoughts well, on I that? wanted to I wanted to ask you about Sarani <laughs> at, at Indy because he's he's obviously been around the league. He's only thirty nine, but he's he's had yeah. some decent positions over the last decade. Yeah, um, well, he, and he coached he coached Philip Rivers back in San did. Diego. Yeah, he, he coached Philip Rivers to career years in, uh, yeah, in he San did. Diego. Um, yeah. He he coached Andrew Luck, and uh, yeah. you know he's done some good things with quarterbacks. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does with with the Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts situation in, in Philadelphia, but yeah. outside of that, I don't know a whole lot about him. How do you feel about the the Colts' offense uh, over the last three years? Uh, I, I really like Sarani. I think he's good. I think this is probably a year too early. I would have liked him to stay one more year um, and, and just see where we go in that direction. I still don't understand the Eagles not being patient here. Like most of the head coaching hires are done. You could wait until after the Super Bowl and, and get a Brian Dable or an Eric the Enemy or, or someone like that with a That's, little bit more. I think I think Dable would have been perfect for the Eagles. I me just, too. Me too. He was my um, number one so, option. Like Sarani is not going to be bad. I don't think it's a bad hire um, at, at, at all. He's a rising star. Um, and I think we'll be okay because Marcus Brady, who's our QB coach, is, is highly rated as well. And, um, and that's going to be good for him. Um, so I think we'll be okay. He didn't really call plays, but he had a lot of mm. say in the, um, in the pre game plan, I guess, like, building that game plan before the, the whistle's blown. And, and so I, I am keen to see how he works. I think this means Carson Wentz is probably staying, though. I think so. Uh, I mean, it is yeah. probably out of all of them so far. He's probably the most, maybe the second most kind of left field coaching selection. Um, what would you say is the other one? <laughs> Dan, Dan Campbell in, in oh, Detroit. I'm, I'm <laughs> sick of this meathead already. I mean, he's come out and he's like, I'm not going to give you coach speak. And then he's like, if we get punched in the mouth, we're going to pick up our teeth and punch you back in the mouth. And it's like, gonna bite you in the just rattled off. Yeah. In the kneecap. I was just like, geez, get this, get this meathead off the, <laughs> off the podium. And he's wearing the tarot cash. Like he does um, seem like a wrestler. Like yeah, he should be a it, WWE, something like, yeah, he's got night. the local court suit on as well that he's bought from Lowe's. Like he just, I don't know. It, it's, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of that. And, uh, but based off what the Lions have been saying and what Dan Campbell's been saying all week, it does sound like Matthew Stafford's probably going to stay, but mm. I, I would be wanting to get the hell out of there because Dan Cam- I think that's easily the worst hire of the lot. I think Chargers going Brandon Staley it was an interesting one. It was an interesting one. But they targeted him from the start. Yeah. I, I really thought Brian Dable and, and Justin Herbert could have made some sweet, mm. sweet, sweet music. I think Buffalo is a massive winner because I think Dable's going to stay for at least one more year with, with the, the Bills, and that's that's huge for them. Like, that's just absolutely massive. So, it, it um, But of, of, of the rest, I think they're all pretty fine, apart from Dan Campbell. I think Serrani's going to be very, very interesting, but um, I think they didn't want a big personality because it means he's going to kind of be at Howie Roseman's feet mm. here, whereas Doug Peterson spoke up a little bit too much. So um, I hope Serrani doesn't get weighed down by all of that. I'd be it, worried. It is, it's an interesting kind of progression for the Eagles going from – Doug Peterson and Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator. Reich goes to Indy, brings along Sarani, who he coached with in San Diego. Um, and then Sarani comes back to the Eagles in Peterson's role. It's, it's kind of an interesting kind of circle of life in, in Philadelphia. But, um, I mean, the, I think for, for me the best thing about that hire is that it's not Josh McDaniels. I think that's the main thing to, to take away from, from this hiring. He was the one that I didn't want, and he seemed to be – Kind of the favourite with the franchise yeah. through the through this period, but it is kind of baffling that they didn't wait to to interview the enemy and and Dave Ola. I think the fact that the enemy has already interviewed with Houston virtually, but the Eagles couldn't get that done at the same you know the, over the same period is kind of astonishing, um, and that they didn't wait and see because I don't I, I'm, I, I don't believe that he was that Sirani would have been under. You know, pressure from other franchises to move, um, and yeah, they just, couldn't have waited another week or two um, yeah, to, to speak with Dayball and, and the enemy. So I don't, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. It's going to be 
an interesting kind of journey. I think you're right in that it's that personality that fits what Peterson, uh, that fits what Roseman and, and Jeffrey Lurie want to do in Philadelphia um, and yep. that he's going to be maybe not so much a yes man but will go along with what the franchise vision is as opposed to kind yep. of doing his own thing. But it is going to be interesting to see how they structure the, the rest of the coaching team in Philadelphia as well. But the one that I really liked that kind of also came out a, a bit out of the field was, was Arthur Smith in Atlanta. I think that's a really good a really good hire. You look at the the, uh, the Tennessee Titans offense over the last two years and what he was able to do with Ryan Tannehill and, and the way that um, that he kind of developed Tannehill from that Miami Tannehill into, into what he is now um, yep. and the way that Derrick Henry has gone from being a very good running back to being you know, elite and just an absolute beast under under Art Smith in, in Tennessee is, is amazing. And I'm looking forward to seeing what, what he does with Atlanta, who's kind of known for their offense over the last decade. Yeah, and I think their GM hire is, is very good as well. Uh, Terry Fontenot yes. is a guy that's yeah. been bouncing around for a while. His name's been a rising star. Very highly rated. Very highly yeah. rated. Yeah, and he started his... Uh, his tenure off by uh, uh, addressing the, the family of Vaughn McClure, a long-time uh, beat writer, and, and talking about his loss. And I thought that was real, real classy. So yeah, really classy. Um, I kind of I am excited about the Falcons, and I hate that I'm buying into the Falcons again, but I'm very interested to see what they what they do, especially at quarterback with, with the draft. So, you know, all eyes are on Matt Stafford being trading, traded. It could be Matt Ryan is the one that uh, ends out um, up and out the door. Uh, while we're talking quarterbacks, we'll quickly mention this and then get straight into the conference championship game. Dwayne Haskins signed with, with the Steelers in 2021. Um, I don't dislike the move because um, I do need another young quarterback in there if Big Ben is retiring or, or moving on. But I just don't think Dwayne Haskins does anything particularly well. So um, I, not, it's a, it's a low-risk, high-reward signing, but Definitely. I don't think the reward is very high at all. Well, I think, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, he, he certainly had talent coming out of college, and he, he most certainly hasn't realised that at, at the NFL level. And whether he can kind of get that back at at that level is, is yet to be seen. But I think Mike Tomlin's probably a good coach for him. I think, you know, I think when when he was drafted, uh, I said all along that Washington was a terrible situation for for Dwayne Haskins, and and I, I couldn't see that working from day one, and it hasn't. But I think this this is kind of a bit better. I think it gives Pittsburgh. You know more mobility and more agility at the quarterback position. I don't, you know, he's he's signed to a reserves kind of futures contract at the moment, so you know he'll he'll fight for a a, um, a a professional contract for next season, whether he starts or not. You know, we won't know for a while, but I think Big Ben has to go. We talked about it last week. Big Ben has to move on in some capacity, whether it's to another team or, or whether he retires. I don't know, but yeah, um, they've they've got to do something at quarterback, and, and this is a good start. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on. Conference championships now. Two games to cover. Um, I've got a few nuggets about the championship weekend before we get started. Um, I'm not a massive trends guy, but I just I, I more quote them because I find them interesting more than anything. But since 2013, home teams are 10 and four against the spread and 12 and two straight up on Championship Sunday. The scoring margin of 13.7 points per game. Since the NFL adopted its current divisional format in 2002 teams that defeated an opponent in the regular season are 63 and 44 in postseason rematches that same season however those regular season winners have just a 43 61 and 3 record against the spread in postseason matches um, and that changes a little bit in the championship round there have been nine rematches from the regular season over the past seven seasons and the team that won in the regular season is seven and two in the rematch so that bodes well for the Packers and the Chiefs the reigning Super Bowl champ is just one and six against the spread in the following year's conference championship game. And then this one's in particular looking at the Bucks. Uh, QBs that have completed 55% or less in two consecutive playoff games, which is Tom Brady, and are on the road in the next game are five and ten against the spread. And the under in those games is nine, five, and one. And then over the last 15 NFC title contests, Contest the younger quarterback has gone on to to win thirteen and two straight up and eleven and four against the spread, which bodes well for Aaron Rodgers there, who's easily <laughs> younger than Tom Brady um, in that relation. But let's um let's get kick started here. Championship weekend and uh, NFC Championship is first. 
So it's Monday, 25th of Jan, 7.05 Australian Eastern Standard Time, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Green Bay, three and a half point favourites on the money line. Tampa Bay, 250. Green Bay, $1.55. Total is 51 or 51 and a half. Shop around there depending on what side you want. Super Bowl odds. Tampa Bay are the outsiders. I think they're the team of the biggest odds at $5. And Green Bay are co-favourites, $3 with uh, Kansas City. What's your thoughts on this? Well, it's it's a really interesting one. It's You look back to last week and, and this historic offence, this is the, the number one offence in the number one offensive season in NFL history, did a number on the best defence in the NFL last week. And I know that Aaron Donald was, was hampered by injury, but even still, even with Aaron Donald at 50%, that's a really strong really aggressive, fearsome defensive unit in LA. And while they're not as good as the Rams, Tampa Bay really do have an elite defense. They're ranked number five in DVOA defense. They're fifth in pass defense, first in rushing defense. But their offense, on the other hand, is far superior to anything that the Rams had to offer. So how the the Packers counter that is going to be really crucial to this game. Um, Michael Thomas went cashless last week. We know how well... um, that, that Tampa Bay held him and focused on him. So it, I think we have to assume that that defensive focus carries over to Devonta Adams this week. So I'm thinking that there's potentially extra targets and receptions to go around. Um, I think that the tight end, Robert Tonyan, who's been up and down all season, I think he's somewhat of a safety blanket underneath for, for Rogers this week. He had four catches for 60 yards last week, even with Adams having nine catches and, and 60 yards and, and a touchdown. So I think there's some, there's some room there. He's got some really low, really low yardage and, and uh, reception numbers in the, the lines this week. So I'd be looking at those. Um, I also think that you come to these big games and, and talk about Tom Brady and, and the things that he's had available to him and, and he's got Gronk available. You know, we know that some of the receivers in Tampa Bay are under injury clouds. You talk about Mike Evans and uh, and those guys. And I think that Tom Brady leans on his, his old mate, his running mate in, uh, in New England was, was Gronk. And uh, I think that he does it again. And there's some some decent lines for, for Gronk yardage as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the, the Tampa Bay spread again, plus three and a half. I also think that there's going to be plenty of points. Um, and I'm looking at the over the over 51 or, or 51 and a half. doesn't really matter. I'm taking, I'm taking both. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I'm on the Tampa Bay money line. Um, I took Tampa Bay plus three and a half. Um, and I, I took them early because I, I thought that, it was going to come in a little bit more, but it's kind of stayed steady there, um, which is which is interesting. Um, I like the over 51 as well, and I've got a long shot in this game as well. Halftime, full-time, double Green Bay, Tampa Bay at $9. Um, yeah, but as Rogers, I said earlier... Rogers to start hot? Yeah, just Packers seem to 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 get out to a to a good start and uh, and leak a lead, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk about that in a sec, um, but I think $9 is, is a good price for, for a long shot anyway. But, you know, as I said earlier in the show during my rant, um, you know, no QB in history in the NFLs had to do less to make conference championships and Super Bowls than Tom Brady. And I'm not taking away from his greatness. I'm just acknowledging that the man's, you know, incredibly blessed and lucky and, and both can be true. He is an all-time great. Is he the GOAT? Not in my books. Uh, I think he might be the luckiest of all time, the, the loads, as some people are are labeling it, but on the other side of the ball, colossal defensive failures have been a black eye on Aaron Rodgers' playoff legacy. In eight playoff losses now, Green Bay have given up an average of 36.4 points and have never held an opponent to less than 23. So that is in particular why I'm looking at the Tampa Bay money line and Tampa Bay defense, and and that's because the Packers' defense really has a tendency to let teams rally back in games. We've seen it all year. Their second-half defense is atrocious. It happened last week. They left the door ajar for the Rams. They made things interesting for a little while. Um, and I think Mike Pettin just seems to lock in the prevent defense in the second half. And it just opens up so much soft zone underneath. And Brady's just going to pick you apart. That's where he's thriving at the moment. He's just mm. death by a thousand one, one, you know, one yard air yard passes, like <laughs> screens and flats and, and, and slants and just dink and dunk your way and, and just pick up chunk yardage yards after the catch when you've got. You know, Godwin and, and Antonio Brown, they make defenders miss. And, they, and, and Gronk as well is just an, one of the best yards after catch players of all time. And mm. I think that's going to open the door. And look, the, the, as you said, the Bucks, you know, they held Michael Thomas without a catch. And that's a promising sign as they, they faced Devontae Adams. He was held to 60 yards on six receptions and zero scores when Tampa Bay beat the Packers earlier this year. 
And he was also the target on, on Rogers' two interceptions that turned the game heavily in the Bucks' favour. Um, obviously, D- Devontae Adams is a lot better than Michael Thomas, but um, it is promising signs. And look, the Bucks obviously won the matchup earlier this season, and that was when the Packers had Bakhtiari at left tackle. I think the loss of loss of him hurts the Packers here. I think Todd Bowles' ability to dial up exotic blitz packages will, will help them. And the Bucks, you know, they won this matchup when their offense wasn't really in rhythm. And it and it gathered a lot of that in the second half of the season. So they're they're a much better offense now, um, despite sort of Tom Brady's bad game last week. Um, they still are a better offense now. And and look, the Packers' offense has gotten bigger and, and better, and and have gone on to be a number one, you know, juggernaut as you said. But I just think the Bucks' offense can hang around and 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 stick around against this overrated Packers' defense. And you know, again, you got to factor in the luckier quarterback here getting the breaks. And I think they'll find a way again, you know, a la Jared Cook fumble. Something's going to happen here in this game that I think uh, that'll just suit, tilt the cap towards the, the Bucks and, and they get the win. And they are on their third straight road game, but the Bucks have thrived away from home all year. Seven road games by an average of 16 points they've, they've won. So it's it's a pretty good road record. Um, and, and why the over as well? Well, since week 13, these are the number one and number two rated offences in EPA per play. The last matchup between these two finished on 48 points, and that was without the Packers not scoring a single point in the final three quarters of the game. Like, that's just not going to happen again. Um, there was, like, 10 points in the second half. It was just nothing. So, um, and it finished three yards shy, uh, three points shy of 51. So I think this goes over easily. I think it's the lock of the week for us both, and it is the podcast lock of the week as well. Yep. So I think Tampa Bay, Green Bay, over 51. Um, I like your, your Robert Tonyan suggestions. It's a big tight end week. Um, yeah. I've also got a p- yeah. play here on Leonard Fournette over 22 and a half receiving yards at $1.85. It's got 10 targets and 83 yards in a touchdown in the receiving game in the last two weeks. Um, I think the Packers in the DVOA against, uh, against running backs, uh, are not very good at all. I'm trying to remember where I read it. I think they were in the bottom three, 29th in DVOA in the, in the, in, uh, there we go, 28th. In DVOA, DVOA against running backs as receivers, the Packers are. Um, so look for for Brady loves targeting running backs in the playoffs as well. I mean James White and yeah. Shane Vereen have famously had massive games. So yep, I think we're at a consensus here. Yeah, I like it. I've got a long shot of uh, same game multi. I've got the Bucks plus three and a half, Gronk over twenty seven and a half receiving yards, and Robert Tonyan over thirty two and a half receiving yards, six dollars fifty, which I like. I have a little play out. Is Gronk's line honestly twenty seven and a half? Yep. Yep. Gee, where's that? Is that's enticing as well. It is. Um, it is. Yep. Alrighty. Um yeah, and my long shot obviously the half time full time double is Petten goes prevent defense and, and let the Bucks back into this game. How um, how are you gonna cope? Just to question if uh, if the Bucks do get up and, and obviously for our, our wallets and account balances, we hope they do, but if they yeah. do get up, how are you gonna cope with the uh, the Brady's in another Super Bowl? Uh, I'm just going to mute. I'm just going to mute uh, the word Brady and Tom. Deactivate Twitter for two weeks. I might have to, but I'm also on the Bucks. I've also got a Super Bowl futures ticket for the Bucks at forty one dollars. So there you go. Uh, I won't be too displeased with that result, but I, I, I do want Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. The fact he's only been to one Super Bowl is egregious. Um, just it's just one of the things that should not have should not happen in NFL history. A player that good should should be appearing in way more championship games, but it is. The nature of the sport is very random at times. Um, I mean, right, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, we, we spoke earlier about the, the difference between the greatest player and the greatest, greatest quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers has to be in that conversation for great, greatest quarterback. The skill that this man has at that position yep. is, is amazing. And, you know, he's he's been on a few shows this week talking about he's did stuff to help his, his mind, and he, he wasn't he's not doing things too much differently than he was the previous years. He's just, he's just saying he's more focused and... You know, he's just he's seeing the field really well at the moment, and he's kind of like his Zen levels at the moment. I feel it's, like he's just it's interesting that he, on the field. he mentions <laughs> that. Yeah, it's interesting that he mentions that kind of higher focus because I've all year I've kind of felt that he looks the most relaxed that he has in his whole career. Like he looks yeah. happy out there, and, and I don't remember any other season where I've seen him smile and smirk mm. and like grin at, at opposing defenses and and defensive lines and the cornerbacks and, and safeties and stuff. I think he's just he's got that swagger back that he had earlier in his career that he seems to have, have missed over the last four or five years. And, and he just, I mean, he's an amazing, he's an amazing player. 
Yeah, he's opened up his third eye, seeing the field <laughs> very well, like Tian in uh, Dragon Ball Z. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, AFC Championship game, same day, 25th of Jan, 10.40 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, Buffalo at Kansas City. Kansas City, three-point favourites at home here. Buffalo, 2.40. Kansas City, sixty. Total is 54. Super Bowl odds, Buffalo, 4.20. Kansas City, $3. Worth noting, football outsiders have the Bills. There's a better chance to win the Super Bowl than, than the Chiefs at the moment. Um, that's something to, to monitor. But at the same time, all week we've heard, will he or won't he play? I mean, I'd be stunned if Mahomes doesn't, doesn't play in this game. Like, absolutely stunned. Um, I've got this line, Kansas City minus three and a half. So I have a small lean towards Kansas City, but I think much like the Bucks, we have a very live underdog here. Uh, sure, the Chiefs won 26 to 17 earlier this year, and it wasn't even that close. Kansas ran the ball all over the, all over the Bills, 466 to 206 in terms of yardage. Mahomes threw only 26 times, but completed 21, 21 of them for 225 yards and two touchdowns. But the Bills are a much, much better team now than they were back in October. And this is mostly because of their late season performances of their defense. Since week 13, Buffalo's defense ranks fourth in EPA per play. And it's coming off a vintage performance against the Ravens last week. Uh, both teams look tremendous high powered passing offenses, but uh, decent, but not great pass defenses. And there really isn't a clear tactical edge to really exploit on either side. Kansas City's biggest Vulnerability is run defense, but it also is Buffalo's greatest weakness is their run offense, especially since they lost Zach Moss. Um, so it is an interesting matchup. Um, you know, obviously Buffalo are playing a lot better now. In the last half of the year, they've been the best team in the NFL. Um, I don't think it's particularly close, but at the same time, like we talked about last week, the Chiefs have been cruising a little bit. And I think last week they were really good before the Mahomes injury. So who knows what that scoreline could have been last week, you know? They probably could have easily covered that ten and a half point spread, but I think this game ultimately comes down to whether the Bills can do an adequate job of slowing down Travis Kelsey because he was he was a matchup nightmare. Um, he had a pair of touchdowns in this team's first meeting, um, and I think he's even more important this game given that Buffalo, you know, has Tre'Davious White playing against Tyreek Hill, and, and the Buffalo safeties are really good as well against the pass. So I think Reed's going to try to isolate Kelsey on Tremaine Edwards and and Matt Milano and, and try to dominate the matchup there. And, and if they can make a stop, then I do think Buffalo can win this game. Um, it's really hard not to lay the minus three with the best quarterback and, and coach combination in the league at the moment in terms of Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. But, you know, a, a lot's being said about Kansas City's inability to cover in its last nine games. They're, they're one and eight or zero and nine, depending on what line you use. But the Chiefs were favoured by seven or more in, in seven, of, seven of those nine games. So... This is a much, much smaller number, um, so it's a lot easier to cover. Um, but I think I prefer the total in this game, and it sounds ridiculous because you've got <laughs> Mahomes and Josh Allen, um, but I, I like the under 54 because I think, look, while Buffalo passes the ball more than any team in the NFL, um, they ran the ball just 16 times last week. I think the Chiefs' run defense is a matchup they have to exploit and have to want to exploit, and I think the game plan for both these teams are limiting their opponents' possessions by having longer drives and running the football a little more, um, and especially given both these teams' weaknesses against the run defense. And I do think the Chiefs will want to run the ball as well to not have Mahomes drop back so much on a, on that gimpy foot um, and, and obviously coming off a concussion as well. Um, so I think this is going to be sort of a longer possession-style game, more patient football, um, and I think under is the play here. Um, but I think you might disagree with me. Well, I agree with you on pretty much all of that except the bet. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll go head-to-head head, head one more time for the season. Um, all right. I, I'm on the over. Um, the Chiefs' defense isn't isn't top of the pops by any means, but they did hold Josh Allen to his worst performance of the season in week six. He had 122 yards, two touchdowns and interception at 52% completion rate. So I understand kind of the, the, the temptation to go the under with this Chiefs' defense mm. against I think- Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen was a little banged up in that game. He was. It's weird that I'm defending Josh Allen, but yeah, it was. <laughs> he, he was, but uh, I'm also not sure that they can do it again because in their last six or seven games, their pass defense hasn't been particularly good. On average, they're allowing more completions, more yards per pass, more first downs passing, and more touchdowns passing than their season averages have allowed. And the Bills' offense continues to roll against good defenses. 
you know, look at their last few weeks and they've played some good defenses and, and come out on top. And and Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are putting up, you know, still massive numbers. Um, the injuries are never good for for any offense, but I think that Zach Moss is, might just help the Bills here because it gives it gives them that singular focus at. at at running back on Devin Singletary, it gives him more stability as the lead back. He knows exactly what the plan is against the league's 31st ranked rush defense, as you mentioned. And I think that, that that's going to be a focus. Like you said, they're going to have to run the ball. They have to try and keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. And, and both teams are going to try and do that. So look at, at some rushing props. And we've got um, Devin Singletary, 81 plus rush yards at $3.20 or so. His, his line dollar eighty eight dollar ninety I think is just forty one and a half so there's there's a play on that too I think there's some value there but um I think we know what to expect from from both of these offenses here there's going to be a lot of Stefan Diggs the league's receptions and yards leader there's going to be a lot of throwing the ball from both Allen and Mahomes but I think they're going to have to run the, the each team is going to have to run the ball to keep it out of the opposing quarterback's hands I, I can't pick this game but I feel like it's a 30 27 kind of game and that's assuming that Mahomes plays and, and like you I'd be absolutely astonished if he doesn't play but I think the over here is the play because I think there's there's too much variance on, on both offenses they're both high powered they both love to throw the ball but they're going to have to mix and match in this game to, to kind of keep the ball and, and to keep those drives going so I think I think there's going to be a lot of points and, and I see kind of 57 60 points in, in this game yeah it is interesting I mean 30 to 27 does just sound like the likely score, but just given how easy it is for these teams to score. Um, but, you know, even if you if you are worried about Mahomes and potentially not playing, maybe the under is a better bet than, than betting against the, the Chiefs if, if you are worried about Mahomes. But like like you and I both said, I'd be stunned if he doesn't play in this game. Mm. So, I um, mean, it's terrifying betting the under when you look at these two quarterbacks. But uh, I just think when the pressure's on a little bit in these games as well, you, you make a few more mistakes or you, you're throwing a little bit off. You know, early there might be some nerves early on in this game for, for both, especially for Josh Allen, who's never been in this mm. situation before. Um, and it's worth noting the Bills, they've actually been outgained by 200 yards in their last two games and they've, in the playoffs and they've won. Um, so <laughs> that's particularly interesting. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird formula to be in an AFC championship game, but. It is, um, but I think, at. like like I said, at the top of the show, I didn't think Buffalo played well last week. Yeah. I think they just played better than the Ravens, uh, and the yeah. Ravens kind of shot themselves in, in the foot on a few on a few yeah. drives. Exactly. So, yeah, um, I've got I've got a long shot in this game. Um, I like Dawson Knox for the, for the, the Bills, another tight end mm. uh, long shot here. But um, the Chiefs are thirty one DVOA against tight ends, and uh, boost tight end catch rate, yards per target, and touchdowns per target between. 5 and 17%. That's per football outsiders. So um, I think Dawson Knox could have a big game. So um, I think he's over-under is tiny. So that's definitely a play if you if you just want a normal sort of, you know, even money bet. But um, mm. for the sake of a long shot, 50-plus yards at $3.60, um, you, you can get that at, at some books. Uh, you just got to shop around. A few few books are down on, on props in this game because they're waiting on the homes. A few of the other books are saying, look, he's going to play. So they've just gone up. So... Um, just got to be patient. Maybe have a look on 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 Sunday night and and, uh, and shop around. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps up our uh, preview for the conference championships game. Not not a lot of confidence on on either wins this game. I mean, like <laughs> both being around a field goal. These are tight contested games, and it will come down. It, you know, we'll talk, we can talk about all the the offense and defense, but it could come down to something like a special teams miss field goal or. Mm. Or missed extra point, or something like that. That yeah, just kicks, ruins yeah. ruins all of it. But that's just that's just how the uh, cookie crumbles in in football. So um, the lock of the week: Tampa Bay at Green Bay over fifty one. Um, my my best bets are Tampa Bay plus three and a half over fifty one. Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Leonard Fournette over twenty two and a half receiving yards at dollar eighty five. And then my three long shots: halftime, full time, double. Uh, Green Bay halftime, Tampa Bay full time at nine dollars. Got a same game multi. Um, shop around with this as well. Kelsey overs, I think he's around 90, 95. His line and to score a touchdown, approximately three bucks. Uh, anything under three bucks, I wouldn't touch. Uh, and then Dawson Knox, 50 plus receiving yards at 360. So, Nick, what have you got for us? Yeah, similar. Tampa Bay plus three and a half. Got Tampa Bay at Green Bay over 51. Uh, Bills and Chiefs over 54 are my three best bets. And then I've got a couple of long shots. Like I said, that that Bucks Packers same game multi Bucks three and a half Gronk over twenty seven Robert Tonyan over thirty two six dollars fifty 
And again, like you said, with all these, shop around and see if you can get a get a half a point better line. See if you can get an extra fifty fifty cents or a dollar on some of these some of these bets or, or multis or whatever. Um, another long shot, Tampa Bay Packers. Both teams score points in all four quarters. Seven points. I think there's a lot of points in this game. Uh, Devin Singletary, as I mentioned, eighty one plus rushing yards, three dollars twenty. And Stefan Diggs, ten or more receptions at three dollars. I think they're going to go to him a lot. Am I going to add one more player? I mean, you got four long shots. I'm going to add one more player. I like uh, Green Bay minus a half in the first quarter. Um, Tom Brady and, and Tom Brady teams in playoffs are particularly slow starters. First quarters are always a little bit slower, and, and Green Bay are notoriously hot starters and invite you know get get to a lead. And as I said, and, and then invite teams to just get back into the game. So. Mm. Close to two dollars ten there at some books for Green Bay minus a half in the first quarter. So I'll, yeah, I'll like take it. that as well. Yeah, like it. There we go. All done. All right. Well, that wraps up the show. We'll. I don't know whether we'll be back next week or the week after. There's there's a two week break uh, before the Super Bowl. I, I assume later and closer to the event would be better for us. Yeah, well, I think we, we had well. some discussions during the years to whether we wanted to do kind of a season recap, kind of thing, a season review in the week off, or if we wanted yeah. to have a week off, maybe we'll leave it up to the up to the listeners. Let us know on on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever and, and and let us know if you want us to do a, a season review, kind of have a chat. If you've got any questions or talking points you want to discuss, let us know um, and we can come back next week and, and do a review and then do a, a Super Bowl preview the following week or if we have a week off and, and go straight into the Super Bowl next week. Yep. We'll, we'll be up. fresh. I mean, there's a good there's a good trend that, uh, that uh, Nick and I are, are really strong, fresh off a buy. Um, <laughs> so uh, we could be bringing the heat Super Bowl week. Um, and and that, Andy Reid off the yeah, bye. That's it, exactly. Um, all right, that wraps up the show. As Nick said, please let us know on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. Um, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Splitter. You can follow myself at JYNFL. Enjoy Championship Sunday. Gamble responsibly and uh, go Aaron Rodgers. Go for Aaron Rodgers, even though I'm betting on the box. Let's go. <laughs>